So welcome, CEOs. I'm so excited to have with me the genius and super beautiful founder of Russian Point. She is Alexandra Efimova. She has been featured on Forbes. She um, has been featured on the Inc. 5000 list. She has been on oh, so, so many things. I just need to take a look at it. Um, but, you know, she's been featured on EY Entrepreneur of the Year as well. But just her story of, you know, starting out, you know, born from Russia, coming to the US, you know, the quintessential, you know, immigrant success story just really inspires me. And I think you guys will learn a lot from this interview as well. So welcome, Alexandra. Thank you very much. And I'm delighted to be here. And thank you for hosting such a great program for immigrant entrepreneurs and uh, future CEOs. Awesome. Thank you so much. So can you share with us? Um, what is your company about? Russian Point is a premier brand of elegant dancing supplies. Our mission is to provide elegant dancing supplies and to inspire dancers to lead extraordinary lives. That's we have a wide range of products for and supply them to everybody from principal dancers of the top ballet companies around the world to a three-year-old little aspiring ballerinas who will dance their dance for their moms and dance in the living room. And of course, our core group of customers are the students between ages of eight and 18 who are studying, for whom dance is their passion. It's um, after school activity, who compete, who perform. Um, and um, we made hopefully a lot of dancers very, very happy in the last 20 years as we've been in business. That's so awesome. So I love that story. And it's even more amazing when you um, just compare to your home, uh, your backstory, because I was listening to some of your interviews, and I was just very, um, kind of felt familiar to me, because we also grew up in communist countries. And it was like, Oh, what is entrepreneurship, but you actually not only started it, but made it so successful. But I just wanted to, you know, let us see what how was the beginning? Like, what was it like for you growing up in Russia? I uh, grew up in Russia. I came to the United States in 1993 after the fall of Soviet Union. I was 15 years old. And um, looking back uh, at my childhood, I think as many uh, people, we really think that I had a very happy childhood. Um, you know, my mom and dad were home for dinner every day. Uh, my grandparents lived across the street from us. There was a structure and um, confidence in a tomorrow's day. And um, there's certain things that the government provided that I think that took a major stress out of people's life. Now, of, now of course, living in the United States and traveling worldwide, I can compare and see all the things that we did not have, but we didn't know about them. So in a way, we didn't feel like we were missing anything. So I... Uh, have great memories of um, applying and being accepted to Hermitage Museum Art School, uh, to the dance classes, to the gymnastics school, and uh, education was provided at no charge. So I had the privilege to be trained by some of the best um, coaches of our times, and it was all provided to us from by the government at no charge. Yes, we did leave five of us in an apartment that was 600 square feet, but compared to our neighbors, we really felt like we were lucky and privileged. And now it seems like, how did we all fit in in that little space? <laughs> so I think just like everything else in life, there is um, nothing black and white. There is um, a lot of gray areas. I wore a uniform in a black dress and 
brown dress and black apron every day to school. And the only variance I had is what will be the color of the bow in my hair. Um, but you know what? I, um, I really felt like it also took certain um, decision-making out of the every morning and somewhat aggravation for the parents. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where, you know, there was no choice. That's what you do. So you focus on your education and you shine with your knowledge and your um, studies. No, not so much with the shiny things in your clothes. Mm. That's very true. Yeah. Cause I was going to say, you know, Steve Jobs used to just wear the same thing. So I guess it takes out the decision-making skills and now you design awesome shoes and, you know, dancer <laughs> wear. So I guess it, you know, makes up for that. That's so interesting. So, you know, now let's go back to when you were like 15, you know, your first here. Um, and I had experiences as well. You didn't know the language didn't know anything. So how did you feel when you first um, landed here? Like, let's say like the first, first year. Yeah. What were you going through? Yeah, so we came in the end of June, and in September I started classes at Huron High School in Ann Arbor, Michigan. I spoke extremely little English that I managed to learn in the first two months of my life in America, and um, it was quite a challenge. And um, looking back, I was felt very lonely. I didn't understand what the professors were saying. I had to translate pretty much every other word in a textbook just to get through the homework. I received, remember receiving very mediocre grades for classes like chemistry and math, not because I didn't know the subject, but because I didn't understand what the problem was. And about six months into it, I caught myself sitting in class and I realized that my brain is not translating what I'm hearing I'm observing the information. And it was one of these amazing aha moments that I still remember that I felt like I was processing it without translating. Mm -hmm. And I felt like after that, I really got more integrated into the culture because I could communicate freely. I could really think about what I'm saying, not just to struggle to finish the sentence. Hmm. That's awesome. That's great to hear. So a lot of similarities of the same people, you know, going through like uh, language learning. So that's great. And, you know, you went through some awesome. So you actually graduated from Harvard Business School and you went to, you know, Michigan for university. So when you were starting out, like for your vision for life where you're like, okay, I'm going to be a business owner and I'm going to, you know, uh, sell dancewear. Like, um, what was your initial vision for your life? Yeah, so I was a student at the Eastern Michigan University, and um, I can't say that at age 20, I sat down and I wrote this big vision for life and master plan, and then I spent the last 20 years implementing it. Um, I fell into my business by really a pure accident. Uh, it was truly an alternative for me to be a waitress or to work at the retail store to put myself through school. I wrote a business plan in one of my business classes for something that I was passionate about, which is dance. So I thought, oh, Russian ballet is very famous. So how about I'll write what that plan will look like if you know, I have to turn in homework anyway. And then um, I, at that time, worked for modeling agencies. So my contract was up. I started to look for new contracts. And I thought, well, why don't I implement it and see we'll, um, if it will actually work? So my full intention was to finish studies at Eastern Michigan University and go get a job in one of the major American corporations and jet around the world and attend, you know, board meetings with a, working for a big company. 
But after I finished studies at uh, my undergraduate, I realized I already have a couple of part-time employees. I make enough money to pay for my own lifestyle. So I said, well, why don't I do it a little bit more? And then the entrepreneurial spirit got into me. So I just continued um, uh, growing the business, expanding the product line, adding new clients. And um, 20 years later, I am very proud of the brand that I built and uh, all the small businesses around the world that I was able to provide quality products and all the people that I employed over the years. And hopefully I added to the American economy and American commerce. Yeah. And I was just, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think 2016 did like 50,000 SKUs. Uh, yeah, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. Just from that number, I can see how big of an impact that you had. So I do have a lot of questions from the beginning when you started, because when you started, you had no contacts, you know, you didn't know anybody. And then you actually, um, I'm not, I'm not going to say it for you, but for the cold calling, I was just amazed at how brave you were. So can you share with us, like, how did you start? Cause it's very easy to tell you write a business plan, you know? Um, but how did you actually put it into motion and how did you find your first suppliers and clients? Yeah. Well, success in business has so many components to it, but out of everything that we do as entrepreneurs, for me, I realized that the most, most important thing that makes us successful and helps us grow the business is actually executing in the plan. And there's a lot of great dreams. There's a lot of great plans. But until you wake up and actually take your to-do list and you actually make that one first step, whether it's going to a trade show, whether it's designing that new product on a piece of paper, whether it's making the prototype, whether it's making a first phone call to a client and going to a meeting, all of it is just dreams. And as a great Japanese proverb says, um, vision without action is a daydream and action without a vision is a nightmare. So it's a give and take. So the first steps um, for me was actually uh, once the products were designed and made is finding the clients and 20 years ago we didn't have internet so it was very very challenging to even think how do you find a client yeah. <laughs> and um hopefully ideal still remembers yellow pages so every household every hotel every office had a yellow pages so i would open the page on the section dance and i would find all the dancing supplies and dance schools and dance companies that were in that section, usually not that much, maybe a page or half a page at the most. And I would call them and I would call them. And um, that time I spoke English very poorly. So I had a very thick Russian accent and um, even to construct the sales call was a challenge for me because I have never had a sales job before. So I had to figure out how do I sell it? So my sales call sounded like, hello, my name is Alexandra. I have Russian shoes. Russian shoes are good. Ballet is good. Please buy my shoes. So, awesome. so if nobody, if they didn't hang up a phone, <laughs> that was already a successful call, even if they That's didn't awesome. buy anything. Yeah. And uh, then the question was, how do I go beyond the Arbor, Michigan? So I would ask my friends who travel nationwide to find a pair of yellow pages in the city that they're going and rip the pages in the section dance and bring them to me. Wow. So if you ever 
ended up with a page of uh, the yellow pages with missing pages. <laughs> <laughs> so it was really just waking up every morning and not playing on a computer, not going for a coffee with a girlfriend, not um, getting distracted with the TV, not doing anything and everything except sitting down and making those phone calls and learning and analyzing from each phone call and really putting myself in a shoes and then the seat of a customer that I would like to be with and thinking what would make motivate me to do business with this company what would encourage me to buy from this company um, how can I make it attractive and then I started speaking on the, the words and the terms of the customers um, and one by one not without mistakes not without losing money not without you know, giving terms to customers who didn't pay, not without many other mistakes that I learned along the way. Um, I, we grew. Wow. That's, I mean, this is so good. I mean, I, I realized that, yeah, if you didn't know the language and you have to construct a sales call, because I think I was lucky enough to kind of like get somebody's sales script and look at it, but you didn't have any like guidance and you actually had the guts to just go for it. Um, so how many people like said yes and how many people said no in the beginning? I'm just curious. Oh, it's hard to say, but um, I don't know. I, we made it one by one. And that's that true. Yeah. The important thing, I learned something from each of those phone calls and I made it a little bit better. That's awesome. So yeah, I think it's, it's true too. Yeah, we forget the people because we were like, Oh my God, what if they say no, like you forget about the people who say no. And the people who say yes to you, they build up and keep building and building. That's great. Yeah. So my question is, so that's how you, you know, you use the yellow pages to find your US clients. So how did you get in touch with um, the Russian uh, suppliers? Like, how did you reach out to them? Yeah, well, I grew up in Russia, so I had some contacts as well as the Russian-speaking uh, colleagues, uh, friends, not colleagues, but friends here in America. And so through the network of people, um, which really is one more lesson I learned in life, you never know how you can connect with somebody and uh, knowing what you're looking for and talking to people who may be outside of your regular circle and asking, what do they do? How do they do? Who do they know? Never know who it might bring to you. So one of the greatest assets that I think any person, especially entrepreneur has, is the network. So build it, nurture it. Uh, reputation is priceless. You cannot do anything that is um, possibly damage your reputation because um, it's a small circle, even though it's, all the 7 billion people around the world. Yeah, that's awesome advice. And I know that you're one of the leaders in the Chamber of Commerce as well. So when you first started in Michigan, was there like an already inbuilt community of like Russian entrepreneurs or did you have to like um, establish your own group or what advice would you give to people who like literally just come here? They're like, I don't know anybody. I want to start a community, but I'm scared or I don't know how. What would you say to them? Well, it, it's it's easier to build relationship and connections with people who we have some similarities with. Yeah. Um, and I have many great Russian friends and colleagues, but at the same time I came to America and I stayed in America so I can be a part of American society. So I very much love my American fr uh, Russian friends, but I also, you know, make I don't make an effort it's just what I do I, I have American friends colleagues um, 
I would say 99% of my uh, clients are Russian, um, excuse me, American, non-Russian. So it's, um, I would encourage somebody who comes in new to this country not to surround yourself just by the people from your own culture. It's good to have somebody who speaks your language, who understands where you came from, who can maybe help you with the first steps. But make sure you surround yourself from the people who grew up in this country, who integrated in it fully, and um, you'll only learn from them faster. Mm, that's awesome advice. And it's totally true. Yeah, you come here, you know, you have your friends from your home country to kind of, you know, have the nostalgia, but mostly you come here, you know, to build a new life in this new country and to, you know, create that. So I love that you said that as well. And you have 20 years of, you know, uh, experience in this business. And I'm just curious to hear, like, what were some of like your best moments? And maybe one of what were some of like your not so favorite moments of just running the business? Oh, well, there's many of each, of course. <laughs> um, you know what, some of the best moments, um, you know, 20 years ago, my best moment I remember was going on the very first business trip. And, you know, at that time, I had never been on a business trip, but I saw on TV commercials how the business people go on the business trip and they rent a car and they check into the hotel and, the, you know, it could be, a, it, it just created me this, idea of like that's what it's like to be a business person of course at 20 years old you think that driving a rental car and going in a hotel <laughs> flying a plane is being a business person but <laughs> the truth is being a business person is actually making business happen mm -hmm. so I remember going on my first business trip when I was 20 years old and I felt like I have made it now my best shining moment is truly when I see my team members come together as a team and see not only now that I taught them something, that they're teaching each other and that my managers are teaching and coaching supervisors in a way where the supervisors or the lead person can go on and teach another person and uh, inspire them and motivate them and to hold them a hand to become a better um, person, both professionally and uh, as an individuals. And when I see that sparkle in their eyes, when I see that how that delivers results to the company, that's uh, really truly my shining moments as a business owner. That's awesome. When it comes to not so shining moments, um, I remember, I think it was 12 years ago, we had one week in a building where we rented an office in a warehouse. It was 10th story. We were on the second floor. In the one week, the building had a flood and a fire. And I just wish it happened on one day. I know, yeah. So you just have factors like this that you have no control over. And it gets very hard physically and emotionally to deal with things like this. But you just get through it. That's amazing. And I will say this, like all the Russian immigrants I interview are just super driven and super awesome. And you see like a lot of Silicon Valley entrepreneurs, you know, Sergey Brin, founder of Google, also from Russia. So I'm just curious, like from your perspective, like why are Russian immigrants so successful in the U.S.? I think many immigrants are very successful yes, in the United yes. States yeah. because yeah. we are driven. Because this country really gives a framework and gives opportunity for those who want to contribute to the economy, who want to succeed as business owners, who want to generate trade, the framework that is much easier than in many other countries. 
not to mention that it is uh, you know 350 million person country of uh, you know very healthy economy and um, uh, gross domestic product and the average income per country so there's buying power and people in America like to try new things. Uh, I think we're very open to new brands. We're open to the new shopping styles. We're open to new products and think we're very curious and we're proactive. So when there's something new that comes out, we actually want to try it and to do it. Mm, that's awesome. And um, now that you're you know, growing your team, you're hiring, like, what are some of like, your company's values and what are some of the things that you look for when you're hiring and growing your team? Mm -hmm. So uh, at Russian Point, um, we uh, have behaviors uh, that we respect and we look for and value in our employees. And the reason we have behaviors that we talk about instead of values is because behaviors is something that could be measured and it could be influenced and could be trained. You can measure values. And it is much more specific and concrete for our team members is to understand, well, this is behavior that is um, encouraged by the company uh, management. Here's how I can behave and this is what I need to do to succeed as a team member. So we look for people who take personal responsibility to the end result. We look for team members who do what they say they will do. Uh, team members who are straightforward, honest, and who uh, actively participate and engage in the conversations. And it's really the simple thing is, is really doing what you said you will do because we all count on you to do what you promised to do. Um, and um, we look for individuals who are driven, who are passionate about the brand, passionate about the market, and who want to... You know, I think be a part of something greater and learn and grow both personally and professionally. Wow. And I'm very, very proud and very honored of the team that I have now. That's awesome. I re that's so smart when you talked about behaviors over values. That's the first time I've heard about it, but it makes so much sense. Yeah, you can only measure behavior. So that's great. And I can totally see why your company is so successful now because, you know, you're doing things that you can measure. So that's great. And, um, and you're very highly educated. You went through some awesome schools. So I do want to ask you, um, what did you learn at Harvard Business School? Well, I... Um look back at the experience of the Harvard Business School executive program on a president, president manager is one of the experiences that impacted me the most and helped me grow both personally and professionally. It's a three-year program that brings entrepreneurs from all over the world for these intensive sessions where we, um, we have classes six days a week for a month at a time and we lived on campus in the little tiny dorm rooms and we studied and we ate and we exercised we did everything on campus i don't remember even leaving it barely because we were so busy there yeah, yeah. Um, so i think the main things that i carried out from that experience is for me as a business leader is my role um, as an innovator as a strategist um, as a person whose responsibility is to create vision for the company, um, set goals, and clearly communicate priorities for my team members. Um, 
we had phenomenal classes on innovation and strategy on the global uh, finance and economy on systems and controls on supply chains on families and business um, and if half of the learning happened in the classroom from some of the world best professors but the other half of the learning happened from each other in the hallways in the break rooms in the tennis courts and um, now we have this amazing network of alumni and we uh, meet with each other for reunions once a year but the, because all of us travel around the world it's so fantastic that we actually pretty much fly to every country around the world in every city and have a network of classmates so actually this weekend i'm hosting two classmates here in chicago that i'm looking for mm. meetings and catching up how their businesses are doing so i'm a big believer in education Education does not always have to happen in a formal setting. Uh, and uh, there's many great programs that offer, many great universities that offer continuous education programs, whether it's an evening class or it's a weekend class or maybe a week-long class intensive, um, but um, also uh, programs like yours, um, great seminars online, um, or even a great book. Um, would, one of the things that I think makes my life most interesting and makes me continue to grow and learn and push myself harder and to have something new to add to the conversation when I meet with my colleagues is to continuously educate myself. And, um, and it, it happens really sometimes more informally, even at the great networking event with some other colleagues and professionals or signing up for a class at the local university or college. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. So at that point, you know, cause so you started when you were at East Michigan and then you went on while you were like, cause I think it's very tough to just, for me, my undergrad was tough. I didn't even run a business. I was just by myself. So how did you just manage like your time, like, you know, going to one of the top programs in the world and also running your business? It's about priorities. It's about being disciplined. It's, um, you know, I already had a great team that I could delegate uh, work to. And I um, think I measure my success as entrepreneur also not only by the growth and by profitability, but by the amount of free time that I have to do other things in my life. Mm. And um, um, I think that's one of the things that every entrepreneur and professional should strive is to build a structure and the systems uh, in place and processes and build a strong team that can function without entrepreneurs' daily micromanagement because it's not healthy. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. Yeah. So it gets busy sometimes, it gets very hard, and um, there's many days when my employees received uh, emails from me late at night because it needed to get done and I wanted them to have it first thing in the morning. There's many vacations that I canceled and I did not travel to because I had to take care of business. There's many Friday or Saturday evenings that I did not go out and I had to either go on a trade show trip or trunk show trip or um, actually writing a proposal or doing an order. Um, hopefully I used all of those situations as opportunity to learn and to grow and come up with a better way to do what I was doing. Um, but at the same time, I love business. I love designing products. I love coaching. I love talking to my customers. So 
it's a, it's a pleasure and it's a choice. And I think it's very important that we make that conscious choice that that's what I choose to do because that's what makes me happier. The worst is to live life with regrets and feeling stuck that I'm stuck doing this, that somebody made me to do it, that I'm unhappy doing it. We're adults and we have choices. And it's a rare occasion in life when we don't have a choice. So if we're making this choice to be entrepreneur or to run the business this way or not to hire somebody or not to improve and invest in the systems and processes, then it's really our choice and we need to own it and we are, need to be accountable for this. But then there's no room for complaining. This is so good. This is like, I feel like you put a battery in me and I feel like energized. So this is perfect. So, um, you know, a lot of people who are listening and watching, they're, you know, thinking of starting a business or like, you know, immigrants, like what kind of advice would you give to the immigrant CEOs? It's the same advice I would give to a non-immigrant is uh, find something that will inspire you, that will motivate you find an industry and a product that you will actually get goosebumps when you think about it and you talk about it. Because there will be many times when you'll want to quit because you just can't take it one more day. Um, and I certainly had days like this in my 20-year career. But remembering what inspired me to begin with, that's the thing that kept me motivated. Mm. It, actually very helpful to sit down and to write down what is it that you choose to do and what inspires you the most about it and keep that piece of paper because in the days when it's not going to be so glamorous go back and read it and mm -hmm. it will refresh the reasons why you decided to start the business in general versus going to work for somebody and then why you decided to do this particular business mm. This is so good. Like, what were some of the things that you're able to do now uh, because you started the business that you maybe were, would not be, have been able to do if you didn't start it? Um, travel. That's my thing, number one. I love traveling. I just came back from um, three weeks in Thailand and Cambodia. Um, I love active sports. So I recently did two and a half weeks whitewater rafting in Chile. Oh my God. Uh, I've done two and a half weeks in yoga and meditation in Bhutan. I cycled across the Death Valley. I cycled from Rome to Florence. I've gone on some really fantastic trips in my life that I probably would have a hard time doing if I had, if I worked for a corporation that gave me, um, you know, somewhat limited vacation days. Um, likely I can run my business, uh, from many parts of the world as long as I have connections and with the modern technology that bless that that's really available for many people. So traveling certainly, being involved to different nonprofit organizations that um, allowed me the flexibility to invest the time to go on meetings or fundraising events. Um, so that's also, I feel, contributing to the society and the community that I live in is one of the blessings that I am able to do as a resident of America, as a, as a, a business leader as well. It's so awesome. It's just like you're cramming like five lifetimes in just one. And I think you're just superwoman, which is awesome. So how can we get in touch with you? How can we buy your shoes? Uh, well, Russian Point is available in over 400 stores uh, nationwide. Uh, you can visit uh, our website, russianpoint.com. 
here as well as check out the podcast that we are on right now and uh, you have a link there available uh, uh, as well as you can listen to some other interviews that already posted there that I had a chance to listen and they're inspirational that's really great for me to see who you already interviewed and um, what a great group of people so I'm very honored and touched to be a part of your a great program Awesome. Thank you. You were my favorite guest as well. Thank you for sharing so much, you know, because you have lived so many lifetimes and just like the time that you have built Russian Point. So I really want to thank you for giving so much inspiration to me and my listeners and um, hope to have you on many shows to come. Thank you very much. And I wish you continuous success to you and to your program and to all entrepreneurs who are listening me. And I hope that my story will give you an inspiration and show how your hobby or your passion or your interest as a child, which for me was dance, can grow into a career and a successful business that who knows where it can take. So you can start anywhere and go everywhere. Awesome. Perfect. Perfect ending. No, you know what I do? So many keynote speeches, just so perfect and on point. So thank you so much. Thank you.